Anyway. There's something very pr- profound, I think, about what we've been celebrating this morning in carols from all around the world. That's this idea that the message that has come has gone out. Has gone out to people who are very different from one another, people who live all over the world. It's gone out in different languages. It's gone out in different cultures. It's gone out in different geographies. The message has gone out. And that message of the birth of a child began, as we read it in Luke chapter 2, with a group of unsuspecting shepherds, who I would submit to you are the least likely audience, the first audience to hear this good news. So we're moving now from, as we've been moving in our Advent series, moving now from, from the birth to the proclamation of it, to the fact that the news has gone out and has gone to these shepherds, the first recipients of it, who were expecting nothing like that on this night. We've read our whole text already this morning. It's from Luke 2, starting in verse 8, page 725. If you're using a pew Bible, there's a sermon outline on pages 8 and 9 in the bulletin. I'm not doing a full-blown sermon here, don't worry, but uh, there's, there's a way for you to follow along a bit. But let's, let's pray. Father, we ask that you would teach us now as we look for a few minutes at your word, that you would give us uh, understanding and insight into what you have done and the good news that has come. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. To say that shepherds were not highly regarded in the days of Jesus would be, I think, a bit of an understatement. Shepherds were usually poor, they were uneducated, they were lowly types who sort of receded, I think, into the background of the society. They were unnoticed, unappreciated. They were just there because we had to have sheep around. Not many aspired to be shepherds. Not many used their shepherding expertise to sort of climb the ladder into other uh, rungs of society. Instead, shepherds were just sort of among the lower classes of the people in Jesus' day. According to some of the rabbis of the day, shepherding sheep was considered to be an unclean profession. That is, one that that ostracized them, one that alienated and marginalized them a bit from the religious life of the community. It's sort of strange if you think about it, because in the Old Testament we see famous examples and, and biblical heroes who were shepherds at some point in their lives. Abraham, David, uh, Moses, all had that kind of role, and we see these lofty pictures in the Old Testament of of shepherds being uh, a metaphor for those who were the leaders of God's people. We see in Psalm 23, of course, that David says that the Lord is his, his shepherd. But for a variety of reasons, the Old Testament picture of the nobility of shepherds uh, had kind of receded by the time of Jesus' day. So, I would encourage you to picture sort of the blue-collarist of jobs. It was hard work to find sheep, to tend sheep, to lead sheep. Sheep are notoriously dumb and wander around and get into all kinds of trouble. There were threats of danger from thieves and wild animals that shepherds faced. These are ordinary shepherds. They're living outside. They're kind of dirty, lowly men tending the sheep, likely not the most devout and religious crowd. And so it's amazing what happens to them on this night as an angel shows up. The angel appears literally in their midst, verse uh, 9. 
says, an angel of the Lord appeared to them. The glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified, which is the usual reaction when an angel appears to someone. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is Christ, the Lord. The glory of the Lord shining around them is a picture of of what descended upon the temple in the Old Testament. It knocks people over with its brightness. We have to picture that contrast in the midst of the night for these shepherds. Of course, they're terrified. And the angel's message seeks to instill the opposite of fear. The message is one of good news. The word that we say, gospel, good news, is this word, this verb here, to share the good news, to spread it, to announce it. The response for this good news, for those who receive this good news, the angel says, is joy, great joy for all the people. What might have been striking to the shepherds as well is that the angel says, good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you or for you, for your advantage coming for you on behalf on your behalf for your benefit the savior has come the titles given here from the angel this is the only place in uh, all of the new testament according to scholars that we get savior christ or messiah and lord all in the same verse to describe this child that has been born uh, a comprehensive a description of his greatness, an unbelievableness of it. This is the news of great joy. And the angel says, I, I'm giving you also a sign. The sign is not a miraculous one. Verse 12, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. The sign isn't the miraculous one of a virgin birth or other kinds of signs that we see, it seems like a very ordinary one. Why would this sign have been important to these shepherds? Well, remember who they are. They're lowly, dirty, unclean kind of people. Would they, be, would they expect this Savior, Lord, Messiah to welcome them? Would they expect to be the ones who would be invited to that kind of event, to greet that kind of baby, those who would defile the house with their uncleanness, according to some? The sign means that they were welcome because this baby is wrapped like they wrapped their babies, and this baby is lying in a manger in an ordinary kind of place, an ordinary Kind of house. This baby isn't in a palace. This baby isn't in a royal mansion. This baby is for shepherds. So imagine we should, I think, their sort of trepidation as they hurry off to investigate this that has happened, doing so feeling like they couldn't, on the one hand, possibly be invited to visit this baby, and then on the other hand, receiving this kind of assurance, the kind of um, unbelievable, uh, divine, divine assurance from an angel and a multitude of angels saying, yes, you're welcome. This baby has been born for you. The good news continues with this extraordinary degree of fanfare as the multitudes of angels show up and overwhelm them. 
giving praise and glory and honor to God, and proclaiming peace toward men for all human beings on whom God's favor rests. The child is bringing the one who brings peace. Biblical peace, of course, isn't a weak concept. It's a strong one. Biblical peace trusts God in the midst of life-changing suffering. Biblical peace overcomes evil and injustice with good. Biblical peace creates harmony between God and men and supernatural harmony between people. That's rarely seen because it's supernatural. But when God does it, it's an amazing thing. The idea of biblical peace is, is peace for the whole realm of God's people, for everything about them. It's the opposite of sin. See, sin is the defiling of peace. Peace is the way things ought to be. Sin is the defiling of it, the way things are not, the way they shouldn't be, the brokenness in the world. And so as these angels are saying to these shepherds, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men and women, of course, on whom his favor rests. The favor of God has come bringing with it peace. The account concludes the shepherds travel to Bethlehem. They see all that's happening. They found things just as they've been told. They offer their own glory and praise to God for all they've seen and heard. The shepherds were welcomed. They weren't shunned. Even the humble, lowly, and unclean ones find welcome and are invited to worship this baby. And the shepherds, what do they do? They spread the word. They become evangelists. In their own right, the good news is multiplied. The people, according to verse 18, are amazed by what the shepherds said. Mary treasures up and ponders these things in her hearts in verse 19, including all of these things. That includes the message of the shepherds who have brought news of this Savior, Messiah, Lord, the child who's come. Shepherds return uh, forever changed, I think. By this event. What does it mean for us today? God, again, as we've seen in our series, God is at work in the ordinary for his extraordinary purposes. The least likely audience, if you would have polled people in Bethlehem, who were the first people who should know and who should be, who should be there to welcome the Messiah? No one would have said shepherds. How do we also fit into that story? For us who are 5,834 miles away from Bethlehem, according to the internet, 2,000 years away, we are much more unlikely than the shepherds who were nearby to have heard this message. But God has brought it to us, and God has given it to us to give it also to others. The message is relevant for all who hear we were ordinary like shepherds, and the picture can be turned even, even in a spiritual one. Poor in spirit, dirty of soul, unclean in sin, lost in darkness of night. That's me, that's you, except for this baby. The gospel begins with our acknowledgement of our very ordinariness and the very extraordinary love of God who has sent his son for us. 
The words of the angels give us two things, I think, for us to ponder today that have become somewhat cliche at Christmas time, but they're right here, and we should think about them. Joy and peace. In a world that does not have joy, we have been given it. Given joy that will be for all people, the joy that the world is being remade, joy that sin and brokenness and death does not win in the end. Joy isn't wishful thinking. Biblical joy is this deep and unshakable response to the news that Christ has come for you, for your advantage. And no matter what else happens, you have a Savior who loves you. If you place your faith, trust in Him. Biblical joy is a strong concept. So is peace, as I've said. Peace has come. In a world that doesn't know peace, peace has come. It's been given to us in this baby in the most complete way. Peace with God, peace with ourselves. The removal of guilt. The fixing of what's broken within us by sin. Peace with others in the household of faith. We struggle, I think, to find peace, to experience it. To sit quietly and ponder. It's not a cultural value, is it? Many things fight against our experience of peace. What are the things that are weighing you down? What are the things that are causing you anxiety? What are the things that are crushing you? Can you trust that an objective, transcendent kind of peace has been given to you in this child? I want to mention one more sort of practical thing as we conclude. We saw it today in the welcome of the shepherds in the ordinary place where Jesus was born. We saw it last week in the welcome of Jesus and his family into the ordinary city of Bethlehem. A great sort of under-the-radar theme, but I think something that's strongly in the backdrop and something that our culture needs to understand is this idea about about what's part of what's going on here is the the in the biggest sort of way a picture of hospitality and not hospitality in the sense of like having people over for dinner hospitality in the sense of making room in our lives for the needs of another the arrival of Jesus was a blessing and it was unwelcome news to Mary and Joseph and it brought suffering and hardship into their lives The arrival of Jesus' parents and the birth of him and all that surrounded it uh, inconvenienced an unknown number of people in Bethlehem, stretching their very limited resources of food and space. Jesus' arrival meant a sleepless night for these shepherds. Jesus' arrival means a long journey, an arduous journey, an undertaking for some men coming from the east, astrologers, bringing their costly treasures Jesus' arrival took his family to Egypt to live as refugees. Jesus' arrival in our world demands a response from us that looks like hospitality in this sense. The opening up of ourselves to another agenda. The seeing that there is someone else that we're to live for. That we have to make space for his plan and submit to it. And so that's what I want to leave you with this morning. Are we open in our hearts to God? Open to what he's doing? To welcome the baby? 
means to rearrange our plans and our priorities and our very lives. Despite all of the festivities, all of the pageantry, there may be some here who feel like they've been going through the motions spiritually, disappointed or angry with God, not wanting to make space for his agenda, doing fine, thanks. And those feelings may be real and need to be named and to be explored, but I would remind us all that the interruption of God into our lives is an amazing and rich blessing. As the angels say to these shepherds, joy, great joy for all the people is offered for you. Peace, the kind of peace that fixes what's broken with the world, is offered to you. And it's all a part of this baby. The child has arrived. And we proclaim the good news with the angels and the shepherds. Good news that will be for all people of joy and peace and welcome of a Savior. Amen. Please pray with me. Father, we are thankful this morning that this news, this unbelievable, life-changing, world-changing news has reached us. That we can sing of it. That we can know it. That we can be blessed by it. And what you've done. We give you praise and glory and honor. And we bless you as the one who has done amazing things in sending of your Son, Jesus Christ, for us. And we pray in his name. Amen.